0: The Bears thump Washington on the road 31-16 in what is undoubtedly their best performance of the season. I break down the good and the bad from the game in this week's episode of Bear With Me. What's up Bears fans and welcome back to Bear With Me, a Chicago Bears podcast hosted by yours truly, Robert Schmitz, where I go through the game that literally just happened and try to provide some analytical reactionary thoughts. And while I could try to pretend that this game was somehow an easy one to analyze because the Bears obviously did a ton right, certainly this was their best performance of the year so far, a game in which they marched into Washington and walked out with a 31-15 win that honestly felt like the Bears had left points on the table, there were some things that went wrong, and so we are going to talk about both the good and the bad. Now again, there's a lot more positive to take away, and that's great because considering the games that the Bears played against Green Bay and Denver, I'm excited to be able to talk positive things, because if I'm honest, it's been a minute. But before we get into breaking down the who's who of who played well, who didn't, and so on and so forth, let's make sure that we're all on the same page on exactly how this game went down. So certainly this was an interesting game, because after the Bears started their first offensive possession fairly smooth, a drive where they drove down the field despite some let's say, occasionally shoddy throws to different receivers. The Bears were gaining yards, they were gaining first downs, Mitch Trubisky was operating the offense, and then they took a critical, back-breaking 14-yard sack after Charles Leno got beat really, really badly and ultimately gave Mitchell Trubisky very little chance of escaping. Bears punt, ball goes over to Washington. Now, I'm not going to go through every single drive of the game, but I want to point out that first one because the next drive from Washington basically set the tone for what this game was going to look like because after Washington dropped the ball on 2nd and 9, Case Keenum airmailed a left side pass on 3rd and 9 and HaHa Clinton Dix collected the interception and took it all the way back for the first Bears defensive touchdown and the first touchdown of the game. This obviously put the Bears up 7 to nothing very quickly and it ultimately put the pressure on Washington to respond, which they really seemed to struggle with. They then left Khalil Mack unblocked, and he ate him up, so that ended another drive. Then from there, the Bears couldn't really get out of their own way in the first quarter as they took a whole lot of different penalties in all phases of the game. They took at least one on special teams, one on offense, and one on defense, including even Prince of taking a hands-to-the-face penalty that negated a fumble recovery for the Bears that would have given them their second turnover of the game. Looking back, it's actually kind of funny when I think about it, because at the time when I saw that, I remember thinking to myself, dadgummit, Bears, come on, you gotta make that play, you never know how many turnovers you're gonna be able to actually collect in a game, which of course is funny, because the Bears forced five turnovers throughout this game, and they ended up getting theirs, but still, you don't want penalties to take away from big plays, and in this case, that's exactly what Prince's hands-to-the-face call did. But despite a sloppy and fairly penalty-ridden first quarter, the Bears dominated the second quarter about as hard as I've ever seen them dominate. The defense constantly forced turnovers. The offense was efficient. Matt Nagy's play calling was on fire, and I'll get to that in a little bit. And the Bears raced out to a 28-0 lead that was only made ever so slightly better for Washington as they kicked a late field goal to go into halftime down 28-3. Talk about a huge half for the Bears, and it included big plays by pretty much everybody that you could have asked for. Matt Nagy was going crazy with his play calls, including some calls that were fairly simple, like the third and two pass play that Mitch Trubisky ultimately found Anthony Miller over the middle for as Miller raced up the field for some 10 plus yards and put the ball on the eight yard line to things that were complicated, like when he put pretty much anybody that could qualify as a running back in the backfield and had Patterson run it from that eight yard line to roughly the two, picking up a nice successful six yards And another play, a touchdown this time, that looked as if Matt Nagy had designed himself a fake pick play. And I find that really impressive. You see, the design of this play included the common outside inside setup with Burton lined up inside on that right hand side of the end zone, and Gabriel kicked out wide right. And as Gabriel came in to lay the common pick for Burton, the Redskins defense read this perfectly, and Burton ended up only just barely open, but they forgot to cover Gabriel, who then just stepped a couple steps backwards and was wide open in the end zone for an easy, easy score. This was all play design, in my opinion, and while Trubisky executed it well, certainly staying patient and making sure that he threw it after the rusher had committed away from Gabriel and was fully unable to affect the play at that point, Ultimately, this sort of play works because so many people around the NFL are using very common pick alignments that Nagy, frankly, used last year, and this plays off of that really, really well. Nagy did a lot of this throughout the game, constantly attacking exactly where he needed to attack, and I just want to make sure that I highlight the different ways that Matt Nagy improved Over this last week. So I know he got a whole lot of flack last week for running the ball so much and ultimately taking the game away from Mitch. In this game, I thought he did just about everything he could to improve the coaching aspect of the offense, and I found it really impressive. He properly anticipated that Washington was going to do everything that they could to stop the Bears' running attack, so he did funnel the offense through Trubisky, though he made sure to attack the middle of the field this week, and I thought that was awesome. The Bears obviously benefited from it, as Mitchell Trubisky hit plenty of receivers coming over the middle on short routes, he hit Allen Robinson a couple of times on slants or deeper crossing routes, and generally speaking, Mitchell dealed in the middle of the field, and he did it well. Well, there wasn't near as much line of scrimmage action or screens or sideline throws. The Bears attacked the middle of the field against a weak Washington linebacking core. And I personally thought from a coaching aspect, that's exactly what they needed to do. And they took advantage of the proper area. Also, an underrated aspect of what Nagy did tonight was that he caught his play calls in way, way faster. This allowed the Bears to have a short huddle, get up to the line of scrimmage very, very quickly, and give Trubisky all the time he needs to make his pre-snap reads and determine where he wants to go with the football. He did this successfully, and this totally worked, as throughout the night, Trubisky was constantly hitting guys that were open that were ultimately the right read on every single play. As I've talked about in multiple YouTube breakdowns, Mitch Trubisky is a much better pre-snap reader than he is post-snap processor, and I thought this played to his advantage. I have no idea, and I will put it out there, that this may also have been Matt Nagy making sure that he had time to go through the reads with Trubisky himself, but either way, even if Trubisky's getting the "quote-unquote" McVeigh golf treatment, this worked much better than anything had over the last two weeks, and I want to give Nagy credit for that. He was able to get those play calls in faster. It obviously paid dividends. Trubisky also did his part, and I want to make sure I mention that. He made plenty of mistakes, and I, as somebody who's often really hard on the kid, have to point those out, that he was missing guys here and there. Certainly, that rainbow throw to Miller could have been more on target. The deep slant to Montgomery was a big miss, and the short screen throw to Miller, he did miss that one, too, but look... Mitchell Trubisky ultimately operated this offense as successfully as it's been all season, and it felt like a major return to form to 2018's offense, and at this point, I'm willing to take that as a massive step forward, given what we've already seen in 2019. He efficiently operated the offense, especially by the second and third quarter. He really did start placing the ball in people's hands, and for the first time in what felt like forever, ever, the Bears actually got decent yak in this game. Multiple crossing route throws to Anthony Miller uh, and Taylor Gabriel. A couple of different screens like that one to Cohen where he had plenty of time to turn, make a move, and create about 15 yards more running of yak and also 15 yards of penalty. Trubisky generally created more yak opportunities in this game, partially due to Nagy's game plan, but also partially due to proper placement. Again, He did miss some throws, and the interception that we'll go over later to Allen Robinson was certainly a highlighting example of that, but it's hard to hit 80.6 completion percentage and be wholly inaccurate over the course of the game. And then there is the sparkler, the gemstone throw of the night, where Trubisky dropped back, stared down the middle of the field, Didn't see anybody open, started to sprint to his right, and while he looked over to what I believe was David Montgomery, ultimately it was some running back on the right-hand side, he then spied Taylor Gabriel streaking down the sidelines and placed what I thought was a phenomenal ball down the sidelines. Gabriel adjusted just like he should, and the Bears scored a touchdown. Was it a bit of a touchy review? Actually, I think so. They ruled it an incompletion. I thought it was really hard to tell whether Gabriel had proper control with his right hand. I know when I first saw the play, it looked to me as if he definitely had both feet down, but I wasn't 100% certain whether that right hand ever stayed on the ball constantly. But hey... They gave him the touchdown, and I, for one, am happy with it. That ball would have hit Taylor Gabriel in the face had he not caught it, and so I think that's as good a throw as you can get, especially given that Mitchell was running out of the pocket, he was on the move, and he just let it fly on a third and 17. Huge conversion, better touchdown. That is exactly the kind of throw that's going to get you a pass on some of the more inaccurate ones until you throw an interception, but again, we'll get there. Bottom line for me, as somebody who's spent way too much time already talking about the offense and not this amazing, amazing defense, Mitchell Trubisky wasn't, in my opinion, the problem tonight. Did he make mistakes? Yes. The offensive line was worse, though, and Mitchell Trubisky ultimately gave us about what we would expect him to give us from 2018, and again, I think that's a lot to build on. And I don't want to spend too much time covering my next point because, truth be told, I'm no offensive line guru, but the line did not look very good tonight. I hope they improve. Certainly, Bobby Massey's sudden inactivity couldn't have helped the Bears' offensive line, but Charles Leno in particular has not looked very good through three games, and I can't really understand what's going on because this regression seems to kind of come out of nowhere. Kyle Long, who has been terrible, I almost understand. The guy's been through so many injuries and is slowly, slowly, slowly getting ever, ever older that as he's starting to fall off, I shrug my shoulders and I say, well, you know what, that happens. But Charles Leno, that's legitimately surprising to me. Cornelius Lucas seemed to play, I guess, as expected, if not better than expected, given that the guy was sort of a revolving door at right tackle in the preseason, and look, I'm personally not watching the offensive linemen on so many plays that I could tell you how James Daniels or Cody Whitehair look, but they don't seem as if they are the worst linemen on the line, but this line in general kind of needs to get things together. Trubisky had multiple short pockets, and a Redskins rush that isn't astoundingly good seemed to get home quite often, so we'll need to see the offensive line pick things up, especially in the running game where they're really struggling to get too many holes but I digress. We've talked enough about the offense. I want to talk a little bit about this defense, which, holy moly, did they pancake this Washington team or what? You see, after Washington had thrown the pick six and then tried to come back for it, they actually drove all the way down the field and got within scoring range until Danny Trevathan pulled one of the most creative blitzing moves I've ever seen where he ran at the offensive line and then he stopped and he turned and he looked to his right as if a stunt was coming. And that completely fooled the right guard who then transitioned in towards his left, kicked over, and made a clear path for Danny to just run through and sack Case Keenum, pushing them further back that then their kicker missed on a 43-yard field goal. Ultimately, this Bears defense was taking points away from Washington all game long, and it was astoundingly impressive in my opinion. I mean, for crying out loud, if you count the one that was nullified by penalty, the Bears took the ball away four times in the first half alone. They constantly harried Case Keenum and pressured him inside his pocket. They forced strip sacks. They stuffed runs. They picked off passes. These guys were everywhere. I mean, not only did we get the classic safety pick with HaHa Clinton Dix, but we also got a mano-a-mano cornerback pickoff as Kyle Fuller jumped underneath a route and stole that ball too. Every facet of this defense seemed to be clicking in the first half, and they just dominated. I'll tell you what, it's been hard for me as an analyst to have anything interesting to say about this Bears defense because they've just been exactly what they looked like in my opinion. Coming into the season, we looked at Chuck Pagano and we said, should things go according to plan, we're going to get a defense that is way more aggressive than we saw with Fangio last year, and it's likely going to make more plays and give up more plays. This game, in my opinion, was a perfect example of just how true that will be, as in the first half, the Bears blitzed and blitzed and blitzed some more. With 11 seconds left, they blitzed. At the start of most drives, they blitzed. They gave Case Keenum everything that he could handle. They forced him to get the ball out fast, and more often than not, that worked more in the Bears' favor than they did in Washington's. But in the second half, which I guess we should quickly go over it, The Bears ended up actually giving up some points in the third quarter off of some decent defensive drives that made it look like Washington had done a decent job of adjusting to what the Bears were bringing out. See, they started incorporating more quick screens and blitz beating throws, and they were able to make some plays. And as soon as the Bears defense was backed off of the blitz, they started throwing underneath and ultimately punished the Bears with a lot of the same underneath check downy throws that we saw Denver use to gain some yardage. This certainly was a bit troubling given that the Bears gave up a fourth and one on exactly that kind of underneath throw. But given that they followed that play up later in the drive by taking the ball away from Case Keenum who apparently thought that the first down marker works just like the goal line and extended the ball over and Danny Trevathan punched it out and Eddie Jackson secured it. That was a great play by the way, guys. I'm willing to let it slide for now. As a matter of fact... Halftime adjustments seem to be a real conundrum for these Chicago Bears, as they seem to play their best defensive ball in the first half while allowing things to open up in the second. Now, obviously we're talking about the world's tiniest sample size, basically, given that that really only happened in this Washington game and the Denver game denver game being in high altitude and maybe that could have affected the team and the packers certainly teamed to taper down their own offense and make sure that they didn't turn the ball over at the expense of scoring too many points so for all we know that second half narrative could be completely bogus and is just a guy on a microphone instant reacting a little bit too hard we will just have to wait and see but boy, this defense looks ferocious. Their blitzes are crazy. And at the moment, I just hope that Akeem Hicks's injury, and certainly Bilal Nichols's don't get too out of hand. If we lose Akeem Hicks for too long, that's going to be a real problem for this defense. So I hope things aren't too serious there because we'll really need players just like both him and Eddie Goldman to stop rushing attacks exactly like what the Vikings are going to bring to town next week. Aside from the blitzes being occasionally figured out, though, and the underneath stuff being a problem that Pagano will need to be able to find a creative solution to, there's really not a ton to whine about when it comes to this defensive performance, and I, considering that we got five takeaways, am very, very happy with it. Ha-ha, Clinton Dix looks like a brand new man. I did not see any of the stuff that he's doing now on his tape. He looks like he's got completely renewed motivations. And that, whether I credit it to Nagy or Pagano or a little bit of both, is really, really awesome for this defense. And certainly his second interception, where he flat out jumped a completable pass by Case Keenum and started to run that one back too, was just evidence of that. And Danny Trevathan also had a great night himself, not only punching out the winning fumble, if you will, and finding that blitz sack, but generally making tackles all across the field, in the run game, in his usual pass coverage role, and everything therein. I love watching Eddie Jackson. The guy is flying around the field. Kyle Fuller picked off another pass, and it was totally an individual play, just a phenomenal play by Fuller in general. Leonard Floyd is really, truly beginning to come into his own, and I'm really excited about that, too. There's just a lot to be excited about when it comes to this defense. Frankly, if you force me to pick a nit, I guess I have to say that I'm a little bit surprised that Roquan Smith hasn't shown up in a bigger, more obvious way, but honestly, I think that could be fairly reactionary at this point. The defense is playing great football, Roquan is flying from sideline to sideline, and generally it seems as if the Bears' middle linebackers are getting avoided as much as they can be. A whole lot of plays are either breaking through the line entirely or getting stuffed right at the line so it seems as if the linebackers are often either blocked or making the play right alongside a defensive lineman. That makes it a little tougher to evaluate, especially considering that the offense's other options is to convert into a quick pass offense that often ignores the linebackers completely. Ultimately though, even with the defense and therefore Chuck Pagano's give and take present, I'm really, really excited about what this defense can do because with the talent on the team and the aggressiveness that Pagano brings, this team is capable of dominating any offense at any point and all our offense needs to do is to hold relative water and score about 21 to 24 points a game. Tonight, they did that, scoring 24 offensive points, including a couple of capitalizations off of short fields that the defense had given them. Turning our eyes quickly back to the offense a little bit, they also need to maintain the balance going forward that they seem to display tonight. Tonight's game saw the Bears run the ball 24 times and throw it 31, and in the common-day NFL, I think that's about the run-pass split that we should expect, given that screens and short outs kind of count as both they've got a large run element and they also have obviously a start from the passing game so I do think we're going to see a few more passes than runs in just about every offensive game plan if Nagy hits the bounce that he wants to hit And I'm sure there are plenty of Bears fans that want to see more of David Montgomery. And trust me, I understand. I know I did too. And when I was originally going to record, I'd written that in my notes to make sure to say that I want more David Montgomery. But then I realized that the Bears want to spread the ball around a little bit in the running back committee. You see, Mike Davis aside, because I think we're all on the same page when it comes to Mike Davis, Tariq Cohen's going to need to run the ball a couple times every single game or else when you fake it to him on a screen, nobody's going to believe you. Cordero Patterson's too much of a weapon not to run out of the backfield, especially because if you run him out of the backfield, ideally that takes him off of running wide receiver routes where I don't think he's near as good as he is with the ball in his hands. And that leaves about 13 to 15 carries for Montgomery, which Nagy's got to pick when to deploy them, and I don't know if he deployed them at perfect times tonight, but hey. 13 to 15 carries, if he can consistently give us that, and Montgomery gives us exactly the kind of production we saw him give us in that late-game drive where the Bears were able to chew out about five minutes of clock off the last seven seven minutes of the game, I'm going to be ultimately a happy Bear. There are a lot of running back weapons. And as good as Montgomery is, because goodness, not only was that 20-30 yard run really awesome, but Montgomery seems to be able to push and fight and claw for yards in a way that's ultimately going to help this Bears offense stay ahead of the chains ever so slightly and help Mitch and Nagy get set up in potentially either shorter, better, and easier to convert passing downs, or no third downs at all because Montgomery's just that far ahead of the chains and can go get those yards himself. That's the ideal with Montgomery, but the realistic volume of carries is probably just not going to come close to what we saw Howard get to because, again, there's a lot of guys that you want to give the ball to in the backfield, and they all got to get their due. Nagy's play calling, speaking of offense, also seemed to fade a bit in the second half. And I think that that's personally because Nagy has trouble anticipating what the defense is going to do in terms of adjusting to his game plan. He seems to be able, if I take 2018 and 2019 as a big sample size together, Matt Nagy seems pretty good in general with coming to the game with a proper game plan, Eagles game nonwithstanding, and then using that game pen to bludgeon the other team and get a bunch of points early. Then coming out of the half, the other team adjusts defensively and the Bears go quiet for a little bit before finally figuring out what they want to do and coming out in the fourth quarter, a lot of times the second half of the fourth quarter, and finally refinding their offensive groove. Going forward, I'd love to see Nagy get a bit quicker on those secondary adjustments when he's adjusting to what the defense is starting to do, but hey, look, given how bad things were against Green Bay and Denver, I will take any step forward as a sign of definite progress. There is one play that I want to excuse, pretty much everybody involved for and that's that interception that Mitchell Trubisky threw on the goal line because as I see it while the proper call if the game was close and the Bears need a win would be to hand David Montgomery the ball and go let that guy try to score just like we saw in Denver I legitimately think that with three touchdowns on the night Matt Nagy wanted to give Mitchell Trubisky that extra end zone rep and a shot at a four touchdown night to build some confidence going into the rest of the season obviously Obviously, it didn't work out as Allen Robinson seemed to run his fade route just as he usually does and Mitchell Trubisky left the ball woefully short and Josh Norman picked it off so obviously that didn't work out for the Bears. And don't go getting me wrong, Mitchell Trubisky had some really nice throws in the second half. I know that in the drive leading up to Mitchell Trubisky throwing that nasty interception, he also made a play where he broke away from the pocket, ran along the left side of the line of scrimmage, and then threw a nice little ball to Taylor Gabriel. But that also doesn't necessarily excuse the interception, and going forward, we'd like to see better. When it comes to Mitch overall, though, I'll parrot what I said about Nagy. This was such an improvement from the last two weeks that with throws like the one that he made to Gabriel to close out more or less the first half and a couple of other different throws that he had throughout the game and the general way that he operated the offense, got to the line of scrimmage, and seemed to consistently and properly make the right reads and know where to go with the football, I'll take this progress and smile with it and we'll see what happens against Minnesota. Before we close out, I do want to mention one sort of weird happening throughout the game, and that was Eddie Pinheiro's swollen or pinched nerve in his knee, generally limiting him throughout the game as Pat O'Donnell actually handled kickoffs throughout the game, and I mean, Pat O'Donnell did a perfectly fine job, but after Pinheiro missed an early field goal that I believe was right around 40 yards, he must have specifically wanted to go back in the game to kick a late field goal that I believe was at or around 40 yards as well because after he kicked the ball and it went straight through the uprights, he seemed to be hopping around and generally limpy as he walked off the field. Pinheiro seemed really, really tough in that instance, and I'm not trying to credit the guy for going out and kicking a field goal in a game that the Bears won pretty comfortably, but it does seem really interesting to me that as Pinheiro has been noted to be one of the guys like Khalil Mack who will show up to the field and get ready ridiculously. Ridiculously early, Pinero seems to be taking this job extraordinarily seriously and almost as if he wanted to go out there on that night and not end it with just a missed kick on his docker. That Injury or not, he wanted to go out and make a field goal he knew he could, and as he said in the postgame, he felt like he couldn't make his pinched nerve worse, so he just went out there and kicked through it anyways. I like that spirit. I hope it continues to pay off for him, considering that the Denver game certainly worked out about as well as it could have for a kicker, so I hope that we can keep that kicker mojo going going forward. All things told, without getting into the specifics, I thought this was a nice step-forward game for the offense and a wonderful dominating performance from the defense that I think the Bears can take a lot of positives away from as they prepare for Minnesota on a short week. Minnesota is an particularly interesting matchup, I think, given that they've sort of shifted their identity and become a running football team, but I will leave the preview to Jeff and EJ and close the book right here. A lot of good from the Bears tonight, and I'm very, very excited about next Sunday afternoon. That's all I got for you today, Bears fans. If you like what me and the other Windy City Gridiron hosts are saying, be sure to find us on iTunes, Twitter, Spotify, or whatever it is that you're listening to us on, and rate us. That certainly helps promote our brand and get us to all the other different Bears fans that are looking for different sources of coverage. And if you like what I have to say, feel free to follow me at Robert K. Schmitz on Twitter. That's at R-O-B-E-R-T-K-S-C-H-M-I-T-Z, where I'm often tweeting various thoughts about the Bears and what I thought of the latest game or what I'm thinking of the game as it's going on. And if you like X's and O's, breakdowns, and other analysis, feel free to search me on YouTube with the same name, though just my first name, Robert, and my last name, Schmitz. Thank you so much for listening to me and bears fans until next time bear down and thanks so much for bearing with me.